We receive a lot of um, encouragement in our practice, uh, particularly uh, in the uh, people who have taken on the training in the monastic form or uh, taken on the training as uh, devoted uh, lay practitioners, upasakas, uh, to really uh, keep in mind uh, the long-term potential, the long-term goal, the ultimate goal uh, of practice, of uh, realizing liberation. Uh, the Buddha talks about it uh, in many ways, and forms uh, in the teachings, not to, um, yeah, not to get lost in uh, uh, settling, you know, becoming complacent, complacent um, in uh, many aspects of the practice, but to always keep in mind uh, that there is a, a possibility, a complete, uh, com- a possibility of complete liberation. And I was remembering uh, the teacher, Ruth Dennison, uh, who passed away a number of years ago, also emphasized that. I mentioned this, I think, fairly recently, but emphasized that same thing on her, in her last, uh, last days and weeks and months uh, when a group went down from Abhayagiri to visit her uh, and to wish her well. Um, and one of her very strong uh, and impressive comments was uh, don't settle for just plain happiness you know you have the possibility of uh, of full liberation essentially was her message don't just settle for uh, mere happiness so that's a focus of our teachings uh, that's uh, you know I spend a lot of time myself reflecting on that potential and encourage other people to do that and so we gear our uh, hearts and our minds towards uh, those teachings that help us experience or lead to the experience of the unconditioned, uh, the, the experience of uh, the unborn, the undying, the unoriginated, the uncreated, um, and uh, keep pointing back to that all the time. Yeah, at the same time, um, we do live in, a, in the world uh, and um, have to negotiate our ways around the world, whether it's in the monastery or outside of the monastery, and try to make it a, a, a useful place uh, in, to, to practice uh, uh, and to create skillful uh, and good supportive conditions uh, that are part of the conditioned realm. Um, so we have to learn how to negotiate, in a sense, uh, the conditioned realm uh, as part of our uh, path to the unconditioned. This time of year uh, is an interesting time of year when I think about it. The, um, the messages uh, that are out there uh, uh, can be very mixed uh, in different ways. This, you know, the, um, the, the, darkening, the darkened days, the, the, the short days, the long nights, the, uh, the coolness, 
of the air, Ajahn Chinder was mentioning that at our Puxata meeting today, that just uh, the, the signals of nature are uh, moving towards quiet and internalizing and contemplation and stilling. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's kind of a nice, delightful experience uh, to, to see that and to experience that at this time of year. I think we're all ready for it uh, as well uh, after uh, a busy uh, year of uh, much engagement and projects and activities. And, and the holiday messages, you know, in their best form, like Christmas, uh, honoring uh, the birth and life of a very uh, compassionate figure in the world. Uh, and, um, you know, the, uh, the good side of, uh, of Christmas is, you know, remembering uh, those qualities and nurturing care and concern, compassion, um, and uh, skillfulness in relationships, sometimes turning more towards family, friends, uh, and the people that we live with, you know, our, whether it's our family of origin or our uh, new family, uh, say here in the monastery, our family of monastics and, and supporters, uh, friends, neighbors. So many good qualities uh, many good aspects of this season uh, come to mind. If you, can, if you get lost in some of the other parts of it, you, know, you, you see just kind of the whole uh, very strong side of consumer mentality uh, uh, and uh, yeah, acquisition, um, uh, kind of the frenzy of, of the world, the material world, uh, seeking seeking gain and, and um, you know, the businesses making money at the best time of year and people selling products and just kind of getting wrapped up in, in all of that. Uh, it's kind of, it can be a frenzy, you know, just going into a, a, sharp, a shopping mall or Walmart or something like that at this time of year with, you know, gaudy decoration and blazing music and, and all that stuff. It's, uh, at least to, uh, those of us who are living in a monastery or living around the monastery and lead a quiet life, it's kind of an affront to the senses, really. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a, a, a mixed time of year, depending on where you want to put your focus. Um, but uh, to learn how to live skillfully, uh, in the conditioned realm as part of what we need to do, even on this path to the unconditioned. Uh, but learning how to, to be part of the world, live in the world, but um, not, uh, not be of the world, not get lost uh, in the worldliness of the world. And to learn how to navigate in a way that um, is still uh, conducive to the path. How to establish attitudes and mind states and, and um, just ways of being, whether, again, whether it's in the monastery or outside of the monastery. We, even in the monastery, we are very much a part of, uh, a part, we have a part in the world. 
we don't isolate ourselves and, and shun the world. We might try to step away from the worldliness uh, of those unskillful aspects uh, and nurture uh, skillful uh, ways of being in, in the world. Uh, but we're not apart from it. So in terms of the uh, most skillful ways of uh, developing ourselves, you know, in the, in the worldly sense or in the realms of the conditioned is, um, of course, the uh, development and abiding in, in what we call the uh, four Brahma-viharas, the divine abidings. And not to, not to neglect uh, our attention uh, to moving into uh, removing the obstructions uh, from experiencing these mind states and, and dwelling in them. They, you know, vihara, a dwelling place. These are the abodes, the divine abodes. Uh, the places where the, the states of mind that the uh, beings in the, in the highest spiritual realms uh, dwell in uh, for long, long, long periods of time. Uh, and that we uh, bring into our lives uh, and dwell in them uh, in this existence as well. We can cultivate them and make them our primary uh, abiding place in the world. They are of the world, they are of the conditioned uh, realm. Uh, but part of an important, very important part of the path towards total freedom. So, you know, uh, a lot of times the teachings around uh, the four divine abidings, the four divine abodes, the Brahma Vihara, is towards developing a meditation technique to increase loving kindness, compassion, uh, sympathetic joy and equanimity. Uh, metta, karuna, mudita, and upeka. Um, and that's the way it's come uh, in, some of, in many of the teachings, and sometimes even like in the, the traditional 10-day uh, retreats at retreat centers or how many, however long, you hear people talk about, you know, these are vipassana, quote-unquote, vipassana retreats. Uh, you go to do to do vipassana uh, at these places, you know, at, at some of the retreat centers is how it's taught anyway. Not all of them, um, but sometimes you hear that kind of paradigm, uh, doing vipassana, and then is kind of the add-on, uh, the last day uh, in some of the uh, meditation retreats. Uh, they kind of shift to doing metta, um, and uh, the. Emphasis is on um, uh, doing a, an active practice of, of metta and developing it through uh, active reflections, uh, which I'm sure pretty much everybody who's listening to this is familiar with. And it's not to uh, denigrate that really um, uh, in any way, but uh, uh, my experience is, is that um, I, I get more benefit from reflecting on 
the Brahma Vihara is not as a, as a meditation technique or not as doing, say, doing metta uh, or developing it uh, with an active um, program kind of a thing, um, but more of a, a, a place to slowly <clears throat> learn to abide in, just as a... <clears throat> Uh, yeah, the, just as it's translated, the divi- a divine abiding, a divine abode. Uh, a very, very lovely, beautiful state of mind <clears throat> to uh, experience and settle into that comes as a result of looking at what's obstructing it, uh, looking closely <clears throat> at the kilesa, the, the mind states, the obstructive mind states that stand in the way of uh, opening to um, these kinds of sublime mind states. Certainly reflections can help us establish uh, some of those mind states. Uh, But if we don't see uh, clearly the obstructions, the the states of mind that uh, block them, then we're maybe only doing it halfway because uh, if we don't take care of those underlying tendencies uh, that uh, lurk there as potentials um, that are part of the conditioned realm too, part of our uh, inheritance from um, unwise attention, if you will. Um, If we don't see those clearly, then um, it's so easy for them to arise and catch us off guard, even uh, if we don't think we uh, have such states of mind very much um, if we don't attend to them when they do arise uh, with clarity and honesty um, then um, there's always the potential for them kind of rising up coming from you know left field when we're not aware of it and uh, catching us off guard it's kind of like the uh, First noble truth, we have to understand, we have to fully understand uh, the experience of dukkha uh, before we can start to uh, let it go. So, you know, starting to own up to and, and recognize uh, when these conditions, these mind states uh, uh, appear to us and we experience them. They are stimulated by outside circumstances and uh, we have these patterns uh, that appear uh, in our uh, experience, mental states, and we have to meet them with honesty and recognition without getting lost in them, without moving into them, indulging them, increasing them. So states like, for instance, um, related to uh, the first Brahma Vihara, the obstructive state um, that can rear up is this, of course, uh, ill will, anger, uh, aversion, uh, and all of its unfortunate manifestations if we get lost in it. You know, we might, there might be something that arises in our experience, uh, somebody who's, um, you know, maybe, uh, unskillful or unpleasant uh, uh, to be around or is uh, uh, triggering something in us uh, that rises up as uh, a reaction of uh, ill will, uh, 
aversion, anger. And to, to be, rec- you know, not to, not to um, develop aversion to the aversion and just try and turn away from it and pretend it's not there, uh, to try and bury it um, or, you know, feel uh, like we shouldn't feel that way, uh, but to turn very gently towards it uh, and to under- fully understand it, to fully... Uh, face it and, and um, see that uh, state of mind as it is experienced right in the present moment uh, most uh, skillfully I think uh, through attending to the bodily energies um, if you get involved in the storyline too much uh, you know that he did this, she did this they said that, that kind of thing um, and then you're just increasing the proliferative tendency around it. So it's that old, um, old uh, kind of saying is like drop, dropping the story. We need to drop the story and turn to the affective experience, the feeling, um, to really understand it without getting lost in it and without proliferating. And uh, if we can do this, uh, and develop the bravery to, to face the unpleasant feeling, because it is a very unpleasant feeling. Um, you know, there's the clenching in the stomach or the tightness in the cheeks or the um, screwing up of the facial muscles or uh, whatever, however it's manifested, the rising of heat, sometimes if it's quite intense, you know, there's a, a real flush that's really unpleasant. And our MO around that is to try and get away from it when nobody wants to have uh, unpleasant feeling. So we sometimes get lost in the storyline trying to, you know, justify, explain, present our counter-arguments, all these kind of conversations in our head that we go through, uh, trying to basically not have to deal with the, uh, the pain. So if we can kind of get past that and realize that we can probably bear up uh, and experience it um, just by facing it and allowing it to manifest as an energetic quality through the body. Uh, it's a form of energy. Um, and just to see if we can gently bring our breathing and our uh, kind attention and spaciousness uh, to that experience itself uh, and not get wrapped up in the whole storyline. Uh, but attend to it on that very um, first body level and then deeper in the heart, uh, the the contracted state, uh, to just allow ourselves the space to be with that and to fully understand it without moving into it and encouraging it. That's a very uh, uh, excellent skill, uh, and it takes a lot of patience uh, to... Uh, do that. A lot of spacious kindness and patience to do that. And then doing that is what allows that opposite quality, that sense of uh, kindness, uh, spaciousness, uh, uh, gentleness, warmth to arise. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're, uh, you know, 
endorsing somebody's unskillful actions that cause you to feel that way, but you're just uh, learning to um, be able to uh, experience a broader sense of, of uh, uh, kindness, uh, well-wishing um, to oneself by owning up to the truth and to others um, when we realize that, you know, people make mistakes. Ourselves, we make mistakes. Other people make mistakes. Uh, and to uh, kind of unentangle ourselves from the enmeshed uh, obstructive mind state that, that can come from that. And to allow that sense of, uh, well, I, I wish myself well. I don't want to feel these, these kinds of states. Uh, and in the same way, you know, those other people that are maybe triggering this uh, have that same kind of aversion, anger, ill will, and they're feeling it just the same as I am. Um, may they be well. And realizing that if they experience uh, that kind of relaxation from those uh, tense mind states, um, then they're going to act in ways that are uh, much more pleasant for us too. So it's a win-win situation. Or the, you know, the afflictive states that can sometimes come around um, kind of this, you know, we, they, they call the opposite of, of karuna compassion, of, of cruelty, um, which is probably a word that is quite extreme, and that's how it may be uh, experienced in its, most, in its more extreme forms, you know, that kind of just uh, wishing harm, in a sense, uh, for other people. Um, Sometimes you know you, you might see bits and pieces of that arise in, in subtler ways when somebody who's been really unskillful uh, uh, kind of receives the karmic consequence of that and, and experiences uh, some um, uh, unfortunate uh, misfortune as a result of their unskillfulness or the, the, the tables turn and and uh, they get their, their comeuppance, in a, in a sense. And you, you, know, you start to uh, take a, uh, maybe a momentary brief delight in the fact that they're getting theirs now. You know, that happens so much in, the, say, the world of politics, I think, that you know, um, there's so much anger and tension and uh, contention. Uh, in the political world these days, and, and sometimes that manifests in that kind of sense of revenge when, when the tides turn, which they always do. The tides always turn. Um, and so that uh, kind of sense of, uh, you know, insensitivity, you know, uh, or cruelty, or when somebody is experiencing um, suffering and difficulty, you know, and there may be an inclination for whatever reason to turn a cold, turn a cold shoulder to that. Um, it's a really unpleasant state of mind and to, you know, in, in lesser 
ways than the ones maybe I've talked about, we can see that sometimes that comes about uh, in our own hearts. And when that does, even in a small way, what does that feel like? You know, turning our attention towards, again, that sense you know, of constriction uh, and tightness and um, unpleasantness when we experiencing, when we experience those moments of kind of cool indifference or you know, insensitivity uh, towards somebody else's uh, suffering. And to allow that in and to realize that <clears throat> when that does happen, we're, you know, just experiencing the results of our own imperfections. And, and, uh, and again, it's the same that other people uh, experience when they, when they go through that same quality. That's what compassion means, is, is, is um, learning to be with, uh, uh, learning to be with the passions, the difficulties uh, as they manifest. Uh, recognizing uh, and that when somebody else is suffering, it's the same as our suffering. It's sort of like the quality of quivering with or trembling with, uh, in resonance with someone else's suffering. Um, if we know it in ourselves, then the natural response will be to uh, feel it at some level um, when somebody else is experiencing that and to recognize how, as much as we want not to have to experience that, to be free from suffering, then we can also uh, experience that quality of wanting others to be free from suffering because it's the same. It's all the same. But you have to understand and experience your own uh, honestly, again, without jumping into it, making a, making a meal of it, not buying into the story, but just being with the unpleasantness of that uh, to the point where uh, we recognize it, fully understand it, so that we can then move towards letting it go, relinquishing it. Another kind of afflictive quality that uh, we can experience um, related to the third Brahma Vihara is, is that sense of, of envy when someone else is uh, experiencing some sort of success, particularly if it's something that, you know, say we want to experience ourselves but don't have um, success or some sort of gain. Um, recognition, uh, you know, and, and is a very unpleasant state of mind, um, but isn't uncommon either for, you know, us even in, in small circumstances saying that, you know, sometimes you see it uh, when you're wanting to get someone's attention or care or concern um, and uh, uh, maybe they're giving it to somebody else, uh, giving them support or offering them praise, recognition for something they've done. And you're going, well, what about me? <laughs> what about me? Uh, and 
kind of ignoring uh, the fact that somebody else might be receiving some justifiable recognition or support uh, and uh, they're, you know, getting some uh, good feelings from that. Um, we get lost in our, you know, what about me? Even if it's a subtle kind of a thing. Uh, and how, you know, what does that feel like? That's, that's an unpleasant feeling to, to have that running around in your head. Um, and uh, yeah, again, it's the same, same approach in a sense, is experiencing that kind of energy uh, and owning up to it, saying, okay, well, you know, that's some sort of conditioned uh, wish for uh, recognition, you know, as long as we're still subject to things like praise and blame and success and uh, failure and those kinds of things, then um, when somebody else gets something that uh, we'd like to be getting, there that sense of envy uh, can arise. Uh, and to, to know that honestly, uh, and not to get lost in you know, self-flagellation for experiencing any of these kinds of states, because they're just part of our conditioning, part of our patterns that we've inherited for who knows whatever reason. Um, but to uh, to recognize them and then uh, allow them to slowly pass as an energetic state as we attend to that uh, with uh, kind attention and to let it dissipate and then being able maybe to turn towards that other being who's uh, receiving something uh, uh, pleasant, uh, gaining something from uh, uh, being praised or, or uh, some sort of material gain or that's a result of their, their skillful action. And to recognize that when you do feel that, you have a sense of, of pleasure and to resonate with that other person's uh, success. It's, uh, sometimes a rare commodity in the world to, to really open up and, and feel a real sense of genuine delight uh, when someone else uh, has received something uh, quite nice. And then just to experience the, the good feeling that comes from that kind of uh, joy uh, that's in sympathy with someone else. I think, you know, related to the Brahma-vihara of equanimity, it's, you know, what we experience when we're not equanimous is just being pulled around, you know, um, just, again, like the worldly winds, just always being pulled, uh, pulled towards pleasure, away from pain, uh, gain and loss, being, you know, buffeted around by uh, seeking gain, avoiding loss, praise, blame, um, seeking you know, good reputation, avoiding ill repute, um, and just that kind of bouncing back and forth uh, that uh, we go through. Uh, 
in relation to the, the ways, the natural ways of the world, the world of opposites. Uh, and uh, experiencing those, of course, and, and then realizing that um, that's the way the world is. Uh, and uh, we can either choose to get lost in it uh, and repeatedly get overwhelmed by uh, these uh, opposite states uh, of, of mind, of experience, or we can choose to see them with uh, clarity uh, and develop more of a sense of uh, being able to be with um, these opposites uh, in a more clear, uh, knowing state of mind. Equanimity has a, a very strong quality of, of wisdom, discernment associated with it that we can employ um, to uh, the ways of the world, uh, the ways of uh, normal human society. And learn to kind of step back from that reactivity, that, you know, that, uh, that overreactivity to, to conditions, because they're always going to fluctuate, they're always going to change. So yeah, just kind of owning up to owning up to the underlying states that obstruct these Brahma Viharas is, is our uh, basic, you know, practice mode, and then allowing and encouraging those uh, states of kindness and um, sensitivity, compassion, uh, warmth, well-wishing. Uh, quiet joy at uh, our own uh, gains and success without attachment in others, uh, more so even with others, and that sense of uh, evenness uh, and understanding of uh, the ways of the world. And to settle into those as dwelling, dwelling places in our hearts, uh, not just as a a practice, but as an actual abiding, to, to slowly, slowly make that our, our frame of reference, stepping away from the, uh, the normal ways of the world, and living in the heavenly realms in our minds, allowing that space to open up and develop by seeing the disadvantage of what we normally do, turning away from that. I think also equanimity is really so important part, and it's an important part of the other three Brahma-viharas, in a sense, too, because when you have equanimity, you, you know, it's much less likely to get lost, say, in some of the uh, what they call, what the, the commentaries anyway, uh, I think quite skillfully call the, the near enemies of, of the Brahma-viharas. So that if we have a sense of uh, alert clarity and recognition um, about uh, states of mind and uh, a certain sense of uh, awareness that comes with equanimity, uh, say in, re in regards to um, the development of loving-kindness, um, then that'll help prevent us from sliding into 
what they say is, uh, is like the near enemy, which would be something like attachment. Um, because, you know, with clarity we can see when it's moving beyond that kind of impersonal, uh, in a sense, in a good kind of impersonal, um, not specific only to one person uh, wishing, uh, wishing them well-being um, or uh, happiness, uh, but a, a global quality of, of uh, kindness, well-wishing that is independent of individuality. It's a, it's a feeling for all beings uh, and a very sublime state to abide in. Um, it gets uh, lost in attachment when it narrows down maybe to, uh, you, know, you know, one individual or single individuals um, that we happen to get along with or happen to like or maybe are slightly attracted to or whatever. Uh, that's when we're sliding into that kind of attachment. Um, you know, and one of those kind of things, you know, something for monastics to particularly pay attention to is, is when we're developing uh, kindness, uh, loving kindness reflections, um, not letting it slide into that kind of, uh, say, maybe uh, affection, uh, uh, for you know an individual or individuals, because even if it's not moving into full-on sense desire or you know sexual desire, um, the uh, kind of Mara is oftentimes right hanging on the edges, waiting for somebody to fall into something like affection for one or you know an individual. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of the entry point for. Um, turning that wonderful quality of loving kindness, which is universal to all beings, uh, into something that's more uh, involved with it in the realm of attachment uh, or clinging or unclarity. So that equanimity uh, aspect, the wisdom aspect, uh, helps us pre uh, prevent ourselves from sliding into that kind of um, uh, near enemy of, of metta. Same with karuna, compassion, um, uh, that, um, you know, if we're feeling a sense of a compassion for someone else and their suffering, if we're not careful, it, uh, we're not mindful, we're equanimous, we can slide into uh, a sense of overwhelm uh, where we become too identified with or attached to the suffering uh, of someone else. And, we don't really know how to handle that. We absorb too much into it. We don't have the proper uh, set of claret, uh, boundaries that you know, come from clarity uh, in terms of uh, getting overwhelmed uh, with the suffering of the world, whether it's our own or, or someone else's. So equanimity uh, helps to keep that compassion stable and clear uh, uh, with a, a real sense of of balance, of knowing when and how we can help help without getting lost or overwhelmed. You know, or the, or the uh, Brahma Vihara of Mudita uh, could tend towards getting overexcited, maybe, uh, over-involved, uh, you know, over, maybe even to the point of slight agitation about 
you know, something that's uh, happening that's really good. You know, maybe our son or our daughter or our, you know, partner or uh, fellow uh, monastic uh, friend, whatever, uh, is uh, experiencing something quite wonderful and we get kind of lost in that or uh, um, overexcited over or even for ourselves and then uh, we've lost the, the sense of balance of, okay, well, yeah, this is good and it's to be delighted in and appreciated um, and it's part of the conditioned realm and, you know, uh, to keep it going, you know, takes constant management uh, and things will probably shift uh, and we may not always experience this kind of success. The, the tides might turn, the, uh, the blame might happen again, the uh, loss might happen again. Um, so not to negate the, the quality of the good experience or to, you know, look at it as sour grapes, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go away anyway. But to uh, have that kind of delight in goodness uh, and uh, the realization that um, it's a conditioned thing that needs to be sustained. So I think, you know, equanimity really helps to enhance uh, the other three Brahma-viharas and stabilize them. Without letting equanimity itself, you know, sink into uh, its near enemy of indifference. Uh, sometimes we can slide into thinking that, oh well, you know, everything's impermanent. We were talking about this at uh, tea time, one question and answer period during tea time. You know, it's sort of like, well, if everything's impermanent, you know, um, and it's going to change, will that lead to kind of a sense of, you know, indifference or, you know, nihilism even? Um, and uh, if we let our equanimity uh, slide in that direction, um, then uh, we start to really lose the benefits of all of these other Brahma Viharas. We won't be able to uh, really uh, sustain uh, uh, a sense of well-wishing and uh, wish for uh, the end of suffering for others and uh, delight in their uh, joyful experiences. We won't be able to do that if we slide into the near enemy of indifference. Um, so that's not what equanimity is at all. Equanimity is, you know, the best of uh, that kind of clear seeing. Uh, and the ability to realize that um, all of these states of mind that are we're looking for are the result of uh, intentional good uh, reflection, good action. Um, uh, results of kama, in a sense, is part of equanimity, that kind of wisdom that knows how these states come into being uh, and how uh, they, we can keep them and maintain them as skillful qualities, like in right effort. Uh, raising up, uh, establishing, and then maintaining these wholesome qualities that serve as parts of the path um, within this conditioned realm. And one of the uh, one of the kind of neat things I think about the whole thing is, is that as we develop these, um, we can also start to realize as a, you know, as we as the 
chanting goes, the, the, the stock phrases that's found in the suttas regarding the four Brahma Viharas, that, um, that we can develop them to the point where they are abundant, exalted, and immeasurable. Um, these are very expansive, spacious uh, states of mind. And the actual process of developing them results in that exalted, abundant, uh, you know, measureless state of mind. Uh, by letting go of those constricted states of mind, uh, the actual quality of mind opens, relaxes, expands, broadens. Um, and uh, the, the actual experience of each of those individual four Brahma Viharas is then allowed to, to grow and expand uh, into a very wide open state of awareness. Which can't really develop if, if we're involved with our constricted, if we're not aware of those constricted states of mind. So it all comes back to you know, recognizing uh, and owning up to those kilesa, those uh, states of mind, uh, and letting them go, relinquishing them through clear understanding, through not avoiding, through ex allowing ourselves to experience, uh, and then opening up to uh, where uh, a real sense of comfort and happiness can, can arise uh, from letting go of these underlying states and experience the best of the conditioned realm. You know, the Brahma Viharas are the, the best you can do uh, in the conditioned realm. And, and again, we, you know, even on our quest towards realizing the unconditioned, um, we have to negotiate our way uh, through the world, uh, through society. Uh, and uh, react uh, in the most skillful way uh, to the conditions around us. Uh, and the more we do that, the more just this you know, light ease of being can manifest. Um, and as the, you know, the old habits kind of slowly whittle away, as they slowly wear away, uh, how to be uh, in this world while we're still part of the world, uh, just becomes more and more present uh, part of our lives uh, and uh, a place where we can comfortably abide uh, as we negotiate uh, closer to uh, realizing the unconditioned. So I'll uh, leave that there for tonight's reflection.